This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. I wasn't going to start with this, but based on that, I will. It's a joke. Um, so these three guys, they, uh, they pass on and they just get into purgatory and they're like looking around and they don't really know what's what's happening, you know, and they're confused by it. And this one guy, they come across this one guy who looks like he's been there a while because they're all neck deep in S-H-I-T. Neck deep. That's what purgatory is for them, you know. And this, this guy's guy really confused. And then all of a sudden in the horizon, they hear, woo-hoo, and they see this boat coming across. And there's a guy on the back of the boat, and he's just laying over the slalom water skiing. Woo-hoo! He's just water skiing right on top of it. The guy that's been there a while looks over and said, that's the dude from Unity. <laughs> waiting for a moment to share that with y'all. I hadn't planned to do it today. So I have called this talk, Taming Our Inner Attack Artist. You will never be content with littleness. You will never be content with playing small. Never content with not sharing your talents and gifts. Because there is a part of you that remembers that fully knows that you are more than just the body that we're wearing. We are more than just even this one human life that we're living. There's a part of us that still remembers that we are God expressing. And that truth consistently tugs at us for fuller expression. I know this is true because I feel it myself. And I know it's true with many of you from conversations that we've had. I serve on the prayer claim and get some of the prayer requests. Many, maybe all, maybe it's a universal human condition to long to more fully express our our gifts powerfully into our world. Your true self is holy beyond any concept of holiness that we now hold. It shimmers with purity and with power and with limitless love. That's our truth. It is one with the creator and all of creation. Every single one of us are far, far more than we realize. The challenge, the trick, is to learn to release all the garbage that we take in and on that keeps us in denial of our grandeur. As most of you know, as it was just announced, I am um, in ministerial school, and there are a couple different versions of Unity Ministerial School. I'm in what is called the Urban School, and it's led by this really dynamic, has done a lot, older than me, um, African-American woman. She's a super gifted minister and speaker. And about a week ago, and, and our, unit, our urban school does a monthly newsletter. And about a week ago, she called and said, March is Women's History Month, and we want to feature the contributions of several women in that newsletter, and I would like to shine a spotlight on your ministry and your work. Do you know what my very first thoughts were? Good gracious, I'm not ready for that. 
I haven't made history. I mean, I'm just a little baby minister. I haven't completely solved climate change or transitioned to the entire global capitalist economic system, which I aspire to, you know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that's my life's work. Uh, but then I caught myself, because working with these unity principles, and definitely with Course in Miracles, those two are very compatible. I realized that I was, I was issuing attack thoughts. I was choosing that default mechanism or that default reaction of I'm not worthy is a form of littleness. A Course in Miracles has a lot of teaching about attack thoughts, and a lot of it is related to the negative thoughts that we project toward others, others, uh, the grievances that we hold. That, that, that is relatively easy to wrap our minds around. A little deeper, profound thread is the concept of the attack thoughts that we hurl at ourselves. And here are, here are a few forms of self-attack thoughts. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. I'm too old to do blank. I'm too young for blank. I'm not doing enough. I can't get healthy. I'm guilty of blank. I'm not as good as or accomplished as so-and-so. That's not an exhaustive list. You all know what I mean. But that's a good example of those. Now, most of us start getting programmed toward littleness really early in our lives. It's kind of usually part of this human experience, our families, whatever. And we're also in a culture that immerses us, that pounds us with messages of not enoughness or not good enoughness in order to get us to try to buy things, right? We're also in a culture that worships fame for the sake of fame. I mean, the Kardashians? Seriously? That is the epitome, example of that. This is also a culture that is very classist. It is based in economic classism, even though that's not talked about a lot. It's a bit of a caste system when you really, when you really look at that. And the wealthy are often held up and heralded by pop culture, by media, even when they're not doing very positive things with all of that wealth. And it's easy in this culture to find ourselves comparing ourselves, our life choices, our own contribution to the world, to illusory images and stories that get highlighted um, in the media. It takes intentionality, it takes practice, that's why we call them spiritual practices, to rise above that programming and to, to undo and unlearn the ways of of the ways that we do take on littleness. That is one of the most powerful and profound journeys we can undertake. Because though we choose littleness over and over again, we're never going to be content with it. Our true identity keeps pulling us toward higher expression of our true selves, toward the, toward the demonstration that we do indeed have God, source, creator within us. We are expressing as that. We are vessels of greatness. Do you feel a longing right now to express some talent, to create something? I, I, I invite you just to take a moment and hone in on that. Bring that to the surface for the rest of this talk, maybe for the rest of your life. 
some spiritual pathways suggest that desire is the, the root of all suffering. And that may be true when the desires are all about material gain or physical pleasure, what have you. I think it's different, though, when the desire is about fully delivering our talents, our gifts, our expertise, fully offering our services to the greater good. I think one of the reasons fame seems so appealing, even though we all know many, many, many really famous people aren't very happy, I think one of the reasons it's so appealing is because it does pull at us for that light of ours that we want to shine more fully, that we want to shine more brightly. We long to move from littleness to magnitude. As spiritual beings, magnitude and grandeur are our natural inheritance. It's our native habitat. And I'm not talking about grandiosity or braggadocio. I mean, that's kind of the opposite of grandeur. Certainly, that's what the Course in Miracles teaches. I'm talking about that confident, empowered awareness of our freaking awesomeness. Do you feel that? Can you tune in? Can you open that? I'm talking about the acceptance, the calm acceptance an embodiment of greatness in whatever we do, in our very being. Now, does it make you feel a little weird or a little squirmy to say, I am a magnificent vessel of greatness? Try it. I am a magnificent vessel of greatness. Now, if there's any little, cheers. If there's any little part of you that feels squirmy, that's your little ego self. That's your human-only side that's trying to keep you in bondage to this littleness thing. A Course in Miracles states, I want to read this, quote, Your soul does not need salvation, but your mind needs to learn what salvation is. You're not saved from anything, but you are saved for glory. Glory is your inheritance given your soul by your creator that you might extend it. Glory is your inheritance that you might extend it. We actually enhance God, source, creator, the all that is, when we express glory through our creations, through our own expression of talents and expertise. This aligns really um, nicely with a shamanistic principle that, that resonates with me. This is, the, this is the concept that, yes, in these human vessels, we each have a soul that comes into this experience of life. We also have an oversoul that is like the sum total of every life, every experience we've ever had. That's all of it. And that is always connected to creator, the all that is. And when we pass out of these lives, this little soul rejoins that oversoul and brings all the richness, all the experience, and in so doing, enhances and enriches all that is, the creator. I truly believe that a huge chunk of our purpose here as humans is to, is to remember the truth of who we are, to release our distorted perceptions of ourselves, sorry about that, in separation or powerlessness or littleness. So how do we go about it? 
How do we release littleness and move from glory into magnitude? One of the most important steps is becoming more and more aware of the stories that we tell ourselves and that we tell about ourselves. And I'll give you an example. One of the stories that I have had to unlearn is I have picked a really unconventional pathway through life. I did get a master's degree and uh, those kinds of things, but I've never had a normal job. I've never, well, not since I got the master's degree. I had a whole lot of them as a kid um, and, a, and a young adult, but I never wanted to go to work for corporate America. I never wanted to just go and get myself financially secure that way. And over the years, I would, and I have been up and down financially, no question, and, and I would tell myself over the years, man, maybe that was a mistake, you know, maybe you can't really get there or have a bigger impact through an unconventional pathway. Well, I'm 55, I've been to over 20 countries, I have founded successful nonprofits and uh, small businesses. I have managed to do work on those issues like this planet that I love my entire life. It's not a bad life, right? This unconventional path is actually, and now for goodness sakes, I'm going to be a minister. That's a whole different talk, and that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but it's rich, right? It's a great thing. So I've learned to also see one of the reasons I took that unconventional path is because one of the top forms of prosperity for me is freedom with my own time. I don't mind if I work a ton. I just want to know how and when I'm going to do it. I want to be able to have charge of my time. That's a huge prosperity thing for me. Another is being able to do work that really feels like I'm being well used. That's on issues that I care about. Now, Myrtle Fillmore, she's one of Unity's founders, and she struggled with tuberculosis her whole entire adult life. And at the age of 40, a doctor told her that she only had a couple of months to live. And at that point, she and her husband Charles, or right after, right after that, she and her husband Charles were at a, a spiritual service, a spiritual talk. I'm sure that they had done thousands at that point. But the speaker at that time was really driving home the point that, that we are all children of God. We are all God expressing. And a light bulb went off in Myrtle's consciousness. And she realized in that moment that she was a child of God and she had not inherited illness. And this put her on an incredible journey. She dropped the self-attack of believing that she could not get healthy. And she began every day from that, for, that point forward, she would start the day by saying literally, as a perfect child of God, I did not inherit illness. It took two years for her body to completely be rid of the tuberculosis. She lived to be 86, and on the day of her, of her death, she walked around at Unity Village, hugging everyone and saying goodbye. It was like, and she had no apparent signs of illness. She'd never been ill again a day in her life, actually. And um, that night, she passed gently in her sleep. And everyone believed she just was ready. She was ready to go home, and she was able to just, just get to that point because she dropped self-attack and truly shifted her concept of herself. And of course, throughout her life, she, with the help of her husband, went on to found the entire international unity worldwide movement. Another really powerful self-attack thought is focusing on the past. Forms of this kind of attack are, if only blank, 
I am too damaged to blank. People with my past can't do blank. I regret blank. I should have done blank. Anytime we're shouldn't on ourselves, it's probably a flag that we're in some sort of self-attack. The ugliness of such self-doubt and condemnation does not belong in our holy minds. It doesn't belong there. Many of the memories we hold, they aren't even true. They didn't even happen the way, the way our memories hold them. You could write a story about your, you could write a hundred different stories about your past and they'd all be true. Why not pick an empowering one? And I'll give you an excellent example. Some of you probably don't know that I'm the former first lady of Oregon and about eight or nine years ago, I got just annihilated in a politically motivated public shaming. Um, took, it was a tr unbelievably traumatic experience, really derailed my business. My, my partner, the governor, wound up resigning from office. We were investigated for two and a half years by FBI, IRS, all of that. Uh, it's important for me to say no charges were ever filed. We were exonerated. However, it took a few years to move through that. And as I started coming out the other side, people would ask me you know, about it. And I had to, I had to figure out, how to, what am I going to say? I could say, oh my god, I made some questionable decisions in the past. A reporter dug them up, used it to just completely publicly annihilate me and my partner, devastated my family, destroyed my business, totally upended state government. Or I could say, you know, Something really catastrophic happened to our family. It gave me a chance to do some really deep inner work that I needed to do. I took a bit of a sabbatical. I did a bunch of counseling and some deep, some deep work there. Uh, I really redesigned the kind of work I was doing. I wrote a book and I, I became a certified life coach and I moved way down the path of becoming an ordained unity minister. Both of those stories are 100% true. So if this is one that resonates with you, if, 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 if the self-attack form of regret or being attached to our past stories is one that, that lands with you, I just can't encourage you enough to play with that. Play with rewriting your stories a little bit, honestly, but just see how many different ways there are to look at that. Our past doesn't dictate our future. Our thinking right now creates our future. One of the most powerful concepts and tools in the Course in Miracles, and Jane touched on it in that powerful prayer, is the holy instant. In the holy instant, we drop all attachment to past or future, and we come fully into the now. This is the state of awareness where most mystical experiences happen, because we're really in the awareness of now. It's that shining instant of release and the space that we get to where we're most likely to open up to and experience our magnificence, our grandeur. The more we play with holy instants, the better, until life can become a little rolling holy instant, like a holy roller from one from one holy instant to the next. And the final form of self-attack that I wanna just drop into this today um, is misbelief about sacrifice. As many of you know, I was raised with a version of Christianity that was very heavy on the sin, sinner, angry, and vengeful God thing. 
and I was taught that you had to make sacrifices to please God. These included things like not going horseback riding on Sunday morning so I could go sit in church, or not fooling around with my high school sweetheart. There were a number of these things. (laughs) I have learned that God's source creator does not require sacrifice, but we sacrifice good things all the time. We sacrifice peace when we choose to dwell on some unpleasant interaction or conversation. We sacrifice joy when we live in the past and fail to notice the beauty all around us. We sacrifice our magnitude when we choose to play hostage to ego rather than host to God. Why not sacrifice littleness instead? One of the practical tools that I have found useful in, in, with this one is if I'm feeling ungood, wonderful grammar, if I'm feeling unpleasant, just not, 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 not right, agitated, to step back and say, huh, what am I sacrificing right now? What, what, what's, what's generating this? Yeah, I got, the, I got the righteous right to stay angry at that person but I'm gonna sacrifice peace in the process, right? I have the absolute free will to to drink myself to passing out, but I'm gonna sacrifice feeling good in the morning, right? I have the right, I have the God-given right to choose self-attack thoughts, but I'm gonna sacrifice that incredibly good feeling of knowing that I am living my best life and shining my light as brightly as I can. I still felt a little awkward about it, but I agreed to be featured in the Urban School Newsletter. (laughs) You know, the universe was opening up the invitation. Who was I to say no, right? And the universe is opening up invitations for us to shine all the time. We just have to get out of our own way We have to notice them and say yes. I love this. It's from A Course in Miracles, and it says we have a deep responsibility to ourselves, one which we must learn to remember all the time. Every decision we make represents what we think we are and the value we place upon ourselves. Every decision we make represents what we think we are and the value we place upon ourselves. And I'm gonna leave you with one more little nugget that's been helpful to me. It's the concept of the big HS as helper. Now, working with Unity Principles and Course in Miracles has really helped me reclaim and reframe a lot of Christian terminology and concept. And it's liberated my my thinking on these in many ways. And the Course teaches that Holy Spirit is the part of us that remembers us and also remembers God. It's the part of us that never took on separation. The Course calls the, um, the Holy Spirit the teacher, the helper, the voice for God, not the voice of God. We're either listening to the voice for ego or the voice for God. I now actually, when I, I have um, created this, hab- this pattern now, it suits me now, subject to change as I do, but I talk to the big HS, Holy Spirit, highest self. 
And when I find myself in attack thoughts, as soon as I notice that, I'll be like, okay, HS, I release this for your purification. You take care of it, please. Thank you, I'm moving on. It's just a light way of noticing, reclaiming, reframing. The Course in Miracles says that the Holy Spirit can hold our magnitude clean of all littleness, clearly and in perfect safety in our minds. Here in the United States this time of year, late January through early April, has been deemed the season of nonviolence. And it is um, a celebration of the philosophies and lives of Gandhi and MLK. I just will affirm Jane's beautiful prayer that the violence that has been happening in this country will be touched by this energy of season and nonviolence as we roll forward. And there's a quote that's often attributed to Gandhi, but actually it came from Marianne Williamson, inspired by her work with The Course in Miracles. And this will sound familiar to many of you, but it's so powerful. And this is an excerpt of that quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others the permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our world and humanity's collective consciousness is definitely in need of a lot of liberating right now. Grandeur and magnitude is needed, especially grandeur and magnitude of people like you who are on an intentional pathway of spiritual awakening, who are more skilled in choosing love over hate. Your grandeur is needed. Whatever it is that burns in your heart, that longs to express, I urge you to remember and believe in yourself with a capital S and to stay true to that self and let your light shine because the more we can collectively demonstrate grandeur, the more healing we will bring into this world. Thank you, go forth and shine. <laughs>